0: secrets from a coach, thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson of Phenomenal Training. Debs.
1: Laura, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm fine.
1: How are you really doing though, Laura?
0: Well, when I say fine, I mean there's a lot going on, in there, Debs, you know, and a lot of stories that people are sharing, and that's all got to go somewhere, hasn't it? All of that thoughts and all of the emotions that are swirling around. And yeah, I'm I'm kind of uh, aware that in this focus we've chosen to have this month on mental health month, that with that then of course you get to do a lot of thinking and listening and sharing. Um and I guess we've got a bit of a different tone to this week's episode. And um, we're going to cover some pretty rough terrain, the kind of the tougher, real, serious and sad consequences that can happen as a result of poor mental health. So from your point of view as a professional coach, um, how easy is it for people to pretend they're okay, keep things under the surface and just say, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) What's what's your um, observations over the years?
1: People are very good at hiding maybe how they're really, really feeling or how what they're thinking about and their emotions around it, especially if they're um, not comfortable maybe talking about it. So I think, you know, people do withhold or they use that. Yeah, I'm fine or I'm okay, And it's that bit that sort of checks in to go, are you really? Because fine is whole for me holds a multitude of different emotions that sits behind it. And sometimes we just go through the motions of checking in with somebody. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm okay. And then moving on. It's actually, are we really noticing and listening and hearing what is underneath the surface of that fine or okay? And it's about then having that um, space to step into to be able to talk to the individual and ask, yeah, are you really okay? What else might be going on for you? So asking twice, as we always call it, can make people go, oh, okay. And then they open up a bit like you did, Law.
0: Well, I mean, it's having the safe space to be able to do that. And I think, as always, our focus on these large range of topics that we cover is um, what does that mean for the evolving world of work and the skills that are going to be drawn upon and are worth developing and honing. I think what's been really interesting, especially in this kind of as we get into the second half of this year, is um, as the roller coaster continues and the marathon of change, it's like a slog, isn't it, in terms of sort of getting through. And just being able to observe those teams that are listening out for each other, that are asking twice and are providing a safe space to be able to share. You can just see there's just actually, from that depth, there's a lightness because people are able to build on the benefits of being part of a team in the first place, which is if you're able to share and you're able to feel bonded, then actually you feel a little bit less alone, a bit isolated and more equipped to be able to handle stuff. So it's with great pleasure that um, you uh, connected with uh, an old friend of ours, Simon Brown. Simon is the CEO of Tech Tower, which brings to market new innovative products and services within safety-critical, security-critical software environments. So he works in some pretty big stuff. He was a former head of IT architecture at Heathrow Airport, which is where we knew him, and he joined the Your Mind Matters training course that he ran with Linz for managers as part of the facilitation team. So everything he's learned about mental health and the role that Workplace has in supporting people, he's got really clearly on his company's career page. So uh, we've got that at our link if you want to check it out because the language is really great in terms of how they've articulated it and his passion really is wouldn't it be great if everyone worked like that and if everyone was able to deal with mental health and treat it as an everyday scenario to be able to discuss and to remove the taboo. So you spent some time with him, didn't you, Debs?
1: Yeah, I did, actually, and had a really sombre chat with him. His brother sadly committed suicide, so um, just put that out there, that he talks quite candidly about what happened to his brother and that back in, you know, 2012... Um, mental health wasn't even on his radar. So obviously just wanted to put that warning out there, first of all. Um, It's really important that, you know, he started to think about more about mental health and poor mental health and what impact that could have on families. Um, And he was quite happy to share what his experience was and what he took from it Um, and also you know how it sort of impacted on him now in relation to you know what he still does to look after his mental health and talks about it quite candidly and openly to people Um, and that you know he sort of channels that in both as well as his mental but also his physical and emotional health as well Um, so it was a a really um, sombering experience just to listen to somebody firsthand who's had um, that experience you know happen Um, and also to find out what he's doing about it as well so it was a yeah it was a really good conversation so I hope you enjoy it Laura. Simon thank you so much for joining us to talk all about mental health and obviously as you know Laura and I are working on Mental Health Awareness Month so um, we're speaking to different people throughout the month of May as a way of just raising awareness to mental health um, and just being able to see how that impacts on different industries and different types of markets that you know, we operate in and how we look after teams throughout that. So, um, yeah, delighted. Thank you that you could join us and to share your wisdom, if you like, around mental health and teams and startups and all sorts of things like that. So thank you.
2: A pleasure. Pleasure to join you.
1: Cool. I'm looking forward to it. So I suppose my first question, which um, we're asking people generally, is so what does mental health mean to you?
2: Uh, so for me, mental health, uh, probably worth going back and thinking back to around uh, 2012. And my view of mental health back then was was very much it was a kind of taboo thing. It was not something you regularly spoke about. And uh, typically, you'd associate mental health with mental illness. Now, obviously, uh, and some of your listeners may not be aware, but I lost my brother to uh, mental illness in 20. World. Well, and so that opened up an awful lot of um a discovery for me to, to really understand uh what was going on and what why why would somebody choose that option? And and it was really a voyage of kind of discovery of of my own sort of mental health to think actually, is 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 this something that I need to worry about? Is this something that affects me? Is it hereditary? And it was, it was a very um difficult time for me to try and reconcile why somebody would reach that point in their life to say the best option is if I if I'm not here um and and going through counselling which was something I never considered before uh, as something that I might need or, or would ever uh you know use was something that was um you know for me uh, reaching out and asking for help was was a real um a sign I guess of strength to realize that actually I wasn't okay with the and and I knew that I was slipping into a you know a spiral of um, almost if you like despair myself because of, I couldn't understand and reconcile what had happened. So so I think you know, for me that that voyage into mental health and and well being um, really started then. And and as uh, the years have rolled forward and you know things do get easier after and. You know, if if anybody has been recently affected by uh, a bereavement, by suicide, or, or, you know, there is a long road to recovery ahead, and you know that that kind of journey you don't have to take by yourself. Um, That that's that's really really kind of important, and and you know, raising the awareness was one thing um, that I wanted to do uh, throughout my um, uh, fundraising activities, doing all sorts of crazy runs. Uh, But then when I when I joined Heathrow Airport back in 2017. Uh, they were just started up a program called Your Mind Matters. And, and having gone through some of the uh, the, the courses on uh, leading with purpose and values, I actually thought to myself, now actually there's a real opportunity here to make a much, much bigger difference than just raising money. Actually start and having a conversation about mental health and what it means to me and, and encouraging others to think differently and think about actually, I know you could be that that last person that, that has that last contact with somebody, uh, and and it's how you approach some of the conversations where you don't necessarily you know feel comfortable. You can have initiate a conversation to say to somebody, "It seems to me, I might be wrong, but you don't seem like your normal self." And that and that's and that's that could be the difference you could make to to somebody's deciding that that's it, that's enough, and I'm I'm checking out. So. So I think that that kind of, um, that course, and and that the way that we uh, ran that course with, um, forgive me, Linz, the way we ran the course with Linz was, um, to be uh, quite honest, uh, a a real sort of nervous time for me to share my story. But then once I actually done it a few times, it it became a, a lot easier to to help other people to think differently about mental health than thinking of it in terms of health and safety. But if you think of a health and safety environment, and we had lots of engineers coming through um, the the course and the training, you look around uh, some of the the buildings and facilities at an airport, there's barriers everywhere, there's walkways everywhere, there's there's places where you go, there's boundaries. And all of that is designed to keep you safe. So if we could change the conversation about mental health, to give you those kind of safety corridors and safety zones, so that you actually feel that you know there there is a you know a, a path that you can tread that that is safe, and you as a manager can can look after your your employees, and it, it's only going to be to the benefit of of all of our uh, staff and all of the uh, the people that work in in the airport, and ultimately the benefit to the the people and that go through the airport, the passengers, to know that, you know, the staff feel well, and they look after, and that that's that's always a good thing, right?
1: Yeah, so, oh my God, completely. And I suppose, well, first of all, you know, thank you for sharing that with our audience, because um, I'm sure other people may have experienced that in, you know, in their lives, or, you know, with people that they know, and it's, it's such a, as you said, a, t- a time where you just uh, must have been absolutely thrown completely off course with what had happened and and just trying to understand why around it so so how have you how far have you got down that path of understanding why what was sitting behind that
2: uh so so i mean there are obviously uh worlds that people keep separate from you know uh friends family and you know often you, what you'll find is that the um the the differences between what people will open up to their family about versus your colleagues perhaps it might be, you know, um down to the cultural differences that you have, or it might just be down to the your upbringing and your values that you're brought up with. So so often what you find is that uh, colleagues are probably the most neutral people that you have regular daily contact with that that it could be the ones that you open up to. So I think I think that that's um you know very important to recognise that and perhaps, maybe, my brother would never have opened up to me about, you know, what was going on for him in his world. Uh, I'll never know, and I'll never. And, and that's 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 something that we'll will we'll obviously um, have to to reconcile. And, and I do recognise is is something that is um, you know, obviously there. It, there, it's you know, I can't, I can't know what was going through his mind. Because,
1: no, and so many uh, people say that. Mind,
2: yeah, nobody in their right mind makes that choice. No, absolutely. And, but, but, um, but I think you know having having been through the uh, uh, experience of fundraising, doing a lot of running for charity, meeting a lot of other people on on those kinds of charity events and and talking to them about you know their own experiences, some of them survivors of suicide uh, and and the uh, yeah the the story is that you know you just you're not in your right mind so so it's it's not it's not a um, you know something that is is very you know easy for anybody to be thinking about doing and and, and it's not, it's not a um you know something that is that should be to do i think you know the you know the people crying out for help is something that you absolutely have to listen to Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And I suppose, you know, there's this myth, isn't it, that people, you're right, men don't talk about their feelings and don't talk about their emotions. And, you know, to some extent, uh, certainly in the work that we do, we certainly see that. But, you know, if you give an opportunity or a safe space in which to talk, then you'll be amazed, actually, that there is no judgment there, is there? Or there's no um, assumptions being made. It's just giving you that safe space to talk. So I suppose... You know, when you sat on that "You're My Matters" course with Lynn's and went, oh, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to go in and I'm going to share. What was what was the impact on the people in that room? Just out of interest,
2: I think it brought it home. I think I think in terms of you know the you know I, I am uh, you know, from your typical family, typical it's both parents still together, got brothers and sisters, and you know by all accounts look completely normal. And then when you when you kind of um, put put somebody in a in a position where you know you've you have you are a senior manager at a company and you're talking openly about these the you know these issues that that are um, real life and 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 it happens it it becomes all the more real for people to recognize it's it isn't just a minority of people or it isn't some somebody who comes from a particular culture or or anything it's it's average it's it's present everywhere and and that's that's what we have to recognize it's It isn't a um, it, it is, a. you know, something that which affects one in four people at some point in their lives. And that one in four does not discriminate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a that's such a good thing to remind remind ourselves of, isn't it? I think is that bit. As you say, we don't know somebody's mental state, do we? Or what's going through their heads if they feel like talking, don't feel like talking We just don't know, do we? Apart from, as you said, being able to, like when you're doing your fundraising and the runs and you start talking to other people, um, I suppose there's something there that says, you know, oh, here's somebody that may understand what's gone on. So therefore, I'm more more likely to speak to that individual because if you like, they've been where I've been and experienced it. And I think that's the beauty of, first of all, being brave enough and courageous enough to say it, right? Right. Because not everybody is brave enough to say, Ashley. That's what I've gone through.
2: Absolutely, yeah. And and you'll you'll be surprised at just how many people are out there that that have known others and family members to to be suffering. And you know, opening up those those kinds of conversations, knowing that actually it's not taboo. It's it's just part of normal life. It is really really powerful because then that way we we can all start to challenge together and. and you know, thinking back to my younger self, uh, I wouldn't be quite so fearful about these these kinds of conversations, or or you know, kind of running away from the uh, the issue, because actually, it's not scary. It's you know, we're, we're all human. We're all on a you know, in, in this human race. And it's uh, it's not really a race. It's a, it's a really, really long marathon with no finish line.
1: Yeah, and I suppose from the, from when you started um, talking, and I know you've moved on since your time at Heathrow. So, you know, how have you taken, if you like, that learning, that experience with you?
2: So we have a, a culture at our, our company, which is on our website, uh, which is in the careers page. Uh, you can go and see it. It's www.techtower.com. And in there we just are open we, we we absolutely encourage people to bring themselves to work and bring everything that's going on for them uh, to to the workplace just turn up as yourself um it's so important to to know that people can can have that safe space to be able to be themselves and share you know what what's going on what's frustrating them what's um you know potentially up and coming which might have an impact on you know ability to go and do a client visit or go into um, a, a a particularly challenging meeting, for instance. Then you know, if, if we're all there for each other, we um, you know, and and we do spend probably more time with our colleagues than we do with anyone else in our lives. Then actually, that that's going to be a good thing. So so that that's what I absolutely encourage, and and we've got a culture that's actually open for anybody to see. It's on our website. So yeah, if, if that's the kind of thing that that, that uh, inspires your listeners, then come and take a look and you know we're, we're open and transparent when it comes to it comes to that kind of culture yeah
1: and I think it's so important I know the work that you know Heathrow started doing they're still continuing to do is just to create a space as you say to talk and to share those experiences and I suppose it must have been you know it must be quite hard actually as we've gone through lockdown and some of us haven't met other people and we've been sort of stuck in our rooms if you like so I suppose if you know if you were to think about how we reach out and just chat, how do you encourage that amongst your current team where they just you know chat? They don't have necessarily talk about work, they just have a conversation about what is going on for them.
2: I coffee every morning. Simple okay, as that. Okay, cool. Zoom, zoom fires up at eleven o'clock and whoever's around for a coffee is in and have having a chin wag. So yeah, that that's that's what, what goes on and actively encouraged. So you know it's a uh, it's good good place just to check in with each other and make sure everybody's you know flying straight and level as it were and, and if not struggling, then you know if several several calls might be missed then you know we'll we'll, we'll check in and make sure they're okay so so that that's really where the way we kind of operate and because we're a small company at the moment there's only eight of us um you know it's it's a lot easier uh, as you probably understand in bigger companies where you've got different shift patterns and you've got different managers coming in and out at, at different times and all these kinds of swaps um, from one one manager to another, it it does become more difficult, and we'll we'll have to keep a close eye on that as as we grow, and um, hope that the culture and well, rewind that we have to make sure that the culture stays as it is today.
1: Yeah, definitely, and and I think you're right. You know, certainly in some of the organisations that we work for, that are big organisations, it is that that you know, how do you keep in touch with people? How do you make sure that there is a listening ear for somebody if they want it. And I suppose that's the challenge, isn't it? But, you know, when you think back to, you know, you helped Lynn's run some of those workshops as well, didn't you? You came and supported her on running some of them because she always had a, a friendly ear with her and everything else. And I suppose for you, it was that bit around how did you ensure that when you walked out of that, you know, the way we did it at the Green Corridor, when you walked out of that and then went back into your workspace, how did you keep those conversations or encourage those conversations to keep going?
2: I guess encouraging the conversations to keep going. Uh, I think, in terms of uh, the culture at the at the Heathrow Airport, which was very much around uh, checking in, making sure everybody had the um, you know a, a good insight as to what was going on uh, with with outside of the the work environment, was was really really key. And you know, it forged that human bond, that connection. I think we all had that in the, in the teams that we operated in, and we all you know, respected the, the the some people were going through. A, more difficult patch than others at certain times, and some people were, you know, flying high. So it's, you know, having having that kind of personal connection was was great. Uh, it is very different uh, culture to some of some of the other places I've worked at, which was very sort of toe the line, professional, turn up and and do the work and look look the part and, yeah, and wow. act the part as well.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> almost almost to the point of being robotic, and in, um, in that you know the, there was a culture where you you had to have been on the. Uh, on the training course to to be able yeah. to use yeah, the correct <laughs> jargon.
1: <laughs> yeah, That's don't get I say around. don't get Laura started on her robot technology and things like that. That would be a, an opening for her there because you know you, you're right. It's got to come from a, a genuine place, hasn't it? It's got to come from a, an authentic space that says actually, I really do care. And I think the language is a no workshop in the world can set you up for an experience like you've had. But, you know, and the language then you use around it, it's got to come from you, hasn't it? It's got to be your words, your thoughts, how you're feeling about things. You know, no, no workshop tells you that, do they?
2: No, no, absolutely impossible. And we're all a product of our, you know, the upbringing that we had and the experiences we've had through life. And if we were all the same, life would be really dull, wouldn't it? It would
1: definitely be very, very dull. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. A hundred percent. So, And I suppose, you know, with you're saying you've been doing your fundraising um, since, and I'm sure, you know, this sort of, as you said, brought it home even more how important looking after your own mental health was. So what, you know, how do you do that? What else do you do to look after your own mental health?
2: So for me, I, the, the main thing is running. I, I, I really enjoy running. I'm one of those weird people that absolutely loves putting on a pair of trainers and and going out. But but the thing that I it strikes me most is that you can actually roll up an awful lot of other things into running. So things mindfulness. So mindfulness is is uh, is the art of being present and in the moment. Uh, and and I've I shared this with the uh, the, t- the people at the workshops that actually running, you're yeah, getting your physical exercise as well as getting mindfulness as well as connecting with nature is a perfect thing to do when you're out on a trail run because you know what you're running around in the woods uh, and if your mind is wandering off somewhere else uh, you're hitting that tree root and you're going you know head over heels so you do have to be very focused in in the moment and, and you know concentrating on your breathing concentrating where, you, where you're going to put your next foot down and and thinking about where where the next uh, the next world is going to come up. If you're if you're going out and you know, planning a route or a vague idea of a route, you've got to think: Am I going too far from where I was supposed yeah. to be? Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you, know, you don't want to get too lost in it. Yeah, but yes. um, but yeah, yeah, it can be fun when you do that. But but that that's that's for me. My my release. Like I love getting out and, and doing a run. And um, and I, I think you know, in terms of setting goals and setting ambition, it's perfect for uh, you know having something you know, in the in the mid to long term to focus on, particularly if you're doing things like a marathon. I thoroughly recommend anyone, if you if you ever had a, a wish to do a marathon, just sign up and then and then figure out how <laughs> to do it. <laughs> about yourself.
1: I'll and, take your word for that. I don't think I'm ever going to be do- thinking about doing a marathon anytime soon, but I'll never I'll, say I'll trust never. You with that. Never
2: say never. <laughs>
1: <laughs> with these knees, I don't think they'd ever get round to about the first mile. But hey, you're right. I'm always never say never. You never know what opportunities are out there, right? <laughs>
2: Correct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> going from there. And that, yeah, that's, you yeah, that's that bit, isn't it? That, you know, being able to connect with nature, which I know is the focus for Mental Health Week, you know, this week, you know, has been that connecting back in with nature. But as you said, to connect it then with that physical activity, you know, your mind is focused on what you're doing. So if it wanders off, as you said, you've got to bring it back to the task in hand to keep that going. And I suppose you know, if, if there's something else that you would do in case it's poor, you know, snow or it's right on the ground and it's like 10 no, feet deep. snow wouldn't
2: stop me. No, oh, wouldn't 10 stop feet
1: you. <laughs> 10 <laughs> foot deep no, it might be. And I love the fact you talked about, you know, having some goals and a focus, because I think that's something that's really important as well to have something, whether it's, you know, the short, medium, long term, whatever that looks like for you, isn't and, it?
2: And the beauty of it is when, you, when you're thinking about the, the difference between running and work, is that quite often at work, you will not be in control of your goals. They, they will move and they will shift. You don't get out on your training run and you haven't done the, the, the leg work to get you to your half marathon and, and the time that you want to achieve or your 10K and the time you want to achieve. That's all of you, nobody else. Yeah. Everybody can find the time to lace up and put a pair of trainers on and, and get out the front. It's far, far quicker than going to the gym.
1: Yeah, and that's really that's so fascinating because we sometimes hear people talking about I don't have time, and you go well, you're in control of that, surely, you know, and how much it's back to how much do you want it, isn't it, as well, and how much you can feel the benefits, I suppose, of investing in you as a as a person, isn't it?
2: yeah absolutely yeah absolutely. and thinking
1: back from and, uh, there
2: one of the best times for um running for me was when i was actually going between jobs and <laughs> had had a nice uh you know sort of period of um winding down from a previous job before starting the next and that meant i could get out and, and train for two uh to do a, a really really fast uh, a marathon time and uh, and actually managed to secure a good for age place the following year so that was that was perfect you know the, time was there, that, you know, I could put the commitment in to get the goal that I wanted to achieve. Yeah. yeah,
1: and Which is important, isn't
2: it? With, a, with about 50 seconds to yeah. spare. So. <laughs> but you know that's that's good enough right
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely that doesn't you still achieved it which is that bit and celebrating it I think from there and I think the other thing that we've noticed over the last sort of year and a bit really is talking to different people is that you know people are more even more attached to their technology or even more just keeping themselves if you like head down and, and you know certainly I was talking to a young person who um just comes off of work, then sits on their PlayStation all day. And, you know, how do they get their, their if you like, boost of energy from that? And that's what floats their boat, but maybe not so much mine and everything else. So I suppose it's, uh, you know, thinking of some of the challenges that we're faced with, especially, you know, in the tech world of tech right now, it's, it's at our fingertips. You know, what advice would you, you know, what some of the challenges and what advice would you give um to people that find themselves constantly just Doing tech what stuff? That's about as my technical knowledge. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> doing tippy, tippy tappy stuff that on stuff, the keyboard, that yeah. tippy yeah. stuff that's on the that's keyboard
1: that's with loads of yeah. zeros and dots and stuff.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think the challenge in the tech world is is the relentless pace of innovation that's that's coming out, and and you you know you're in an arms race uh, effectively against some of the bad guys that are out there, and, and especially if some of the people that are involved in roles that are on the, the front line, the first line of defence in cyber security. It's, it's not a case of if, it's a case of when. And and that and that's always going to be an uncomfortable place to be. Your, your adrenaline is going to be running high on full alert at all times. And I think, you know, in terms of um, you know, having that psychological safety to know that actually you've got a, a team that is you know, doing the best it very, you know, very best it can to, to keep one step ahead... Um, there will be a time when actually you do need to to start to focus on resolving some problems that might come about and not not end up in that kind of uh, horrible situation where you're trying to figure out well, who's to blame. Well, that's, that's no good. It, it doesn't solve any problems and it doesn't mean you move forward um, if you're focusing on the past and you're not focused on how to actually get the, the thing fixed. So you know, I think in terms of the tech world, you're always going to be – on a learning curve it it doesn't flatten out Uh, you know if you find yourself in into situations where you are um slightly out of your depth and a bit uncomfortable then you have to pop your hand up and say i'm reached the limit of my knowledge there will always be someone else out there that knows you about your that particular one topic you think of it like as um you know doctors and your gp versus a surgeon
1: yeah absolutely really ask a
2: brain surgeon to sort your bunions out
1: would no, no definitely well I don't not that would be a bit worrying wouldn't it really if you did it that way <laughs> but I suppose that comes back to that as you said you know if you're reaching the level of your knowledge or expertise at that particular moment in time in relation to the tech world you know it's that you reach out and say actually I need some support I need some help So it's, again, that link that says, you know, if we do it in our jobs to say, help me be better than I am a moment ago, you know, what also stops us from doing that in relation to our own mental health, you know, to reach out and ask for that support. Um, And that's that's always been fascinating to me because we do this stuff for our work, but we don't always necessarily think and apply the same techniques to ourselves. And I suppose, you know, if if you could give some advice to people out there, um, you know, what one piece of advice would you give them?
2: best bit of advice uh, uh, is if you're if you need help ask and you know if if you need to figure out a a solution or something that is completely alien to you find a mentor find find somebody that wants to to help because most people actually you know they enjoy being asked you know can you help me out here i need a bit i need a bit of advice a bit of guidance i'm more than happy to share everything i know yes But it's all—it's uh, all, all about you know um, giving other people that head start and that leg up. You know, if I share what I know now with somebody that gives them you know that opportunity to springboard to go even further, then, you know, I'm happy because you know I, I don't want people repeating the same mistakes I've made over over the course of my life and career. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> that was that was hard one experience. And yeah. if I pass on, you know that that's that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. So it's been so cool. I've loved speaking to you and um, yeah, we could chat for a while. But I just want to say a massive thank you for, you know, sharing your story, which, you know, is tough. And I'm sure has resonated, you know, with some of our, our listeners and and that bit to know that, you know, reach out to you. Because I know you've always been very open for people to just connect with you as well. So, you know, again, you know, if anybody has been you know impacted by your story, then actually I know you'll be there to give them and be, a, be a friendly ear and listen to maybe what they might be going through and and I think that continue with your fundraising to keep raising that awareness of it um I think is only something that can be built on and built on and built on so you know I want to say a massive thank you Simon for sharing and for also giving us some advice as to what we can do and um yeah good luck with your next marathon run
2: Oh thanks very much. I'd better go and book one.
1: Yeah, go do it. <laughs> then you've got something to work towards, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> cool. It's been thank you. To you Deb. And you, Simon, thank you.
0: Goodness, Debs. Simon talks so eloquently and clearly about it, doesn't he? I mean, it's inspiring to listen as well and just from his process of uh, dealing with the with what happened and how he's then brought that into some kind of purpose. I found that really moving to listen to that. How did you find that?
1: Um, Yeah, same. I think it was that bit that he was very eloquent and very articulate around, actually, it's not taboo to talk about some of this stuff. Um, And that actually... Yeah, we, we have to help people by sharing our own stories sometimes, which is what, you know, he shared, um, and encouraging those conversations and, you know, checking into, um, in checking in with each other. Um, you know, as we said, not just once, but twice. Um, and I think, you know, reaching out and asking for help, help in our jobs is easy. So why are we not doing that when we comes to our own mental health as well? So yeah, there was some really good thing, thought provoking. I thought just to go, okay, that makes sense. So how do we deal with that?
0: Yeah, I mean um, the the main takeaway I had was is that especially if you've got a load of people who are based remotely in a variety of different kind of individual setups, potentially that work community is your main community to get some of those social needs met. So let's let's take that responsibly. And actually, if someone in your workplace doesn't look how you know as as uh, how you would normally expect them to be then to check in as as he said and i like how he said they check in is everyone flying straight and level i liked that um language he used and for me the biggest sort of eye opener that's really got me thinking differently about it since listening to simon talk is the parallel between physical safety mental safety. If it doesn't look right, you would challenge it, which is, of course, inherently important in an operational environment. And I think if we transfer that across, that almost gives you the confidence and the courage to sort of think, well, I won't just leave them alone, but, you know, I'll actually do something about it. So what, in your experience, Debs, helps people to be able to... Notice, but actually then lean in and and, and check in on someone.
1: Mm, Yeah. And, you know, he mentioned it on the You're My Matters workshops that we did. And it's something that, you know, we came up with in relation to, you know, how do you talk about mental health? So, you know, it's the acronym around T-A-L-K. So the first step is to, you know, you think somebody's not quite right so that's the think bit so it's then about okay so someone isn't there themselves somebody isn't there whatever their normal might be there's this bit that says they might be struggling to make decisions about stuff um, they're getting disorganized they're not how they want to be or not how you normally expect them to be. So you can see some of these changes happening so it makes you think, oh that's different what's going on for them the a that we then did so so we've seen the signs so what do we do with it next so the a is the approach so it's that ability to be able to just have a call you know have a call with them or just gently speak to them and say you know what i've noticed and i could be completely wrong um, but you don't seem yourself today you know what's going on now they may not respond but it's enough to know that you care and therefore, they may come back and speak to you again. So think about how you might approach that in a very, as a non-judgmental way as well, more open around it. Um, and let them know that whatever you're talking about, you know, is important to you as it is to them. So creating that safe space for somebody. And then it's listen. That's the L. Listen and listen with empathy. It's listening to... Um, to listen to what they are saying but also to what they're not saying so how are you reading between the lines in relation to that and it's not jumping in and telling them your story like oh my god yeah I've had the same thing happen to me it's not that it's just being really quiet it's just nodding giving the yes uh, the ums and the ahs just so they can just know that you are listening and they will keep on talking around that and if they stop talking hold that space So important because silent is great. And especially in coaching, we use that a lot. So let them have the time and the space because they may be thinking what they want to tell you next. So don't jump in to rescue or try and fix it. It's just take that moment, which then leads on to the K in talk, which is about know your role in that type of conversation. You know, unless you are a trained counsellor, we are not there as a counsellor. You know, we are not there as a medical professional. Unless, of course, you are, um, and we're—you know—what? Not, we're not there to fix it. We're not their parent in that moment. We're not their agony aunt or agony uncle. You know, we're just there as a as a, as another human being, just to listen. And being able to, if you like, um, help them as to signpost them or support them in what support they might be able to get that would help them continue that conversation with maybe a professional and medical expert and all the different organisations that are out there. So it enables them, if you like, to then explore and then decide for themselves what they want to do next. Because we cannot force somebody to do anything. But if we've just created that space where they can talk you know, then that's that's part of our role is to be enabled to do that.
0: Oh, that's great, Debs. Wise words. I mean, I know you and I really thought hard about covering this topic on on our podcast because it's a bit of a different turn from our usual approach, but... Rather than dodging it, that just then feeds into the problem, doesn't it? Because as Simon said, it's about removing the taboo, making it, it's never going to be an easy conversation, but making people feel more easy about bringing this dark and difficult stuff out. Because it's through talking and sharing, as you said, that we're able to at least start being able to kind of open that up. So what would your
1: final
0: call to action be, Debs?
1: Yeah, I think, um, and Simon mentioned it about, you know, he does a lot of running and fundraising and that helps his mental as well as his physical and emotional health, as we said. And I think that ability to change somebody's environment can really help. So, you know, go for a walk and talk. You know, if you want to run and you know and have a talk great but you know just moving and talking at the same time can just lift away some of that um uneasiness we might have if we're sitting across a table talking to somebody then i would definitely suggest that you just walk and talk break break their normal state just create that environment where it's free to talk and because you're walking at the same time it just creates a much better space it's so powerful to walk and talk
0: Yeah. And you know what? Sharing what might be going on beneath the surface in no way burdens the listener. In fact, if anything, it's life affirming and bonding, and it is mutually beneficial. And I think that's sometimes what people worry about is, oh, if I share my stuff, then it's going to make other people feel worse. And actually, if anything, it's the opposite. It's that connecting and that rapport, because our mental health, And our physical health is the one thing that connects us all. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Regardless of how much we earn, what our status is, what we do day to day it's the one thing that keeps us really human. So um, for our listeners then, Debs, what would your um, call to action be? So for people listening to this, as always, the power of coaching is turning thinking into action. So what would your call Mm. to action be from this episode?
1: I think... um... If you are finding it difficult, just take that leap of faith and reach out and just talk. There are loads of organisations as well, if you don't want to maybe share it with your friends or family. But there are others that are definitely out there that will be a listening ear. So reach out and just talk. It's the beginning of what will you know, make a difference.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And from this moment on, I'm always going to ask twice. How are you? How are you really? So thanks, Debs. Um, that was a, you know, big episode for us to record. A big thanks to Simon Brown for talking so eloquently about something that obviously has had a huge impact on his life and uh, sending lots of love to everyone. We'll see you soon. Love you, Debs. Love you too, Law. Bye. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email on secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram at Secretsfromacoach.